Welcome to the Go-To-Market Mindset with Michael Gordon, where we talk about all things related to sales, business development, and personal growth. If it's about high performance, we want to take a deep dive into that. And to do that, we'll be talking with some of the sharpest minds in all the land. But don't get too comfortable because we're going to be getting you out of your comfort zone. The Go-To-Market Mindset is brought to you by Sandler Training in Calabasas and me, Michael Gordon. We work with growth mining companies that know sales is never about price and believe that salespeople have rights. For more information, visit gordon.sandler.com. Welcome to the Go-To-Market Mindset. I'm here with Marku Kopanen, the president and CEO of Extended Disc North America. Marku, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael, and thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on as well, obviously, as you know, at Sandler, we're a big fan of DISC where we use it for ourselves, our employees, for our clients. We're big on teaching them the DISC methodology for the things that it's made for, for understanding yourself, understanding others and understanding how others may receive you. For the folks listening that may not be familiar with DISC or what DISC is, can you give us a kind of an overview from 10,000 feet? DISC has been around for a long time, in fact, about 100 years. The foundation for DISC model was developed back in 1921 by Carl Jung. I think a lot of the listeners are familiar with that name. And he's really the father of behavioral sciences. And he began to identify that people are different. Two years later, American by the name of William Moulton Marston actually came up with the term DISC. And what this does, it helps us to understand how we are different, not better or worse, but how we are different in terms of how we prefer to interact with others, our environment, how do we see the world through the filters of our behavioral style. So the DISC is a behavioral model and the assessments, the extended DISC assessments that are built on that foundation are really designed to identify who the person is so we can create what I call a confident self-awareness. We really understand what our strengths and what our development areas are, and we get comfortable with both of those. And then we learn to identify the styles of other people, like in the context of sales. There are things you can look for to really try to identify the behavioral style of the prospect so you can get to a point where you can make conscious decisions about how to modify your behavior. And Michael, what I mean by behavior is how we communicate with people, how we listen to people, how we sell, how we service our clients, how we lead others, really any type of human interaction, that is when the results of the extended disk assessments come into play. Ultimately, trying to help our clients to make those modifications in behavior that allow them to be more successful, not only in their professional lives, but their personal lives as well. Got it. Thank you. That's a great explanation. And to me, this concept is, it's such an important one. And I feel like it's something that's ignored, especially in sales. And I'll, you know, give you an example. When I'm teaching clients about DISC, one of the first questions I always ask in the context of bonding and rapport is, what are some of the things that you do to do your bonding and rapport to connect with the people that you're meeting with and sell to? And people tend to give the Typical traditional answers, such as asking them about their family, their weekend, you know, the pictures that are up on their wall. And I, I'm writing things, I'm writing down these responses as we go through. And then I say, hey, I want you to, you know, think about this. There's four different disc profiles that says everybody prefers to receive information and be communicated with differently. 
And I read out some of the descriptions of the D, the dominance, who are people, bottom line thinkers, don't like to waste time, like to get right to the point, the influencers, the social butterflies, the steady relators, the caring nurturers who are there to think about and help other people, and the, the C's of the world who are very detail-oriented. And I have them self-assess themselves of how they would rate themselves. And then I say, I want you to imagine that you would walk into my office, and I'm a a D. I'm a very high D and you were trying to sell me something. If you started asking me about my weekend and about the pictures on my wall, I said, how well do you, do you think that meeting would go? How long do you think you'd stay in my office? And people's jaws tend to drop because I know for me before I understood disc, you know, like most salespeople, I think I'd walk into somebody's office, make small talk and think, you know, this person really likes me because they're talking. And I think the their big aha moment is that everybody's different and that if we use our style that's comfortable with us to communicate with other people, that other people may not connect with us very well. And that's a really quick way to end bonding and rapport. And when people don't connect with us, they don't trust us. Therefore, they're not going to open up and tell us what's going on in their world from a sales context. So yes, well, I, I'm really, again, I'm excited to have you to talk about this. So from let me ask this question strictly from a sales perspective, because we have an audience that's skewed towards sales. How can people most effectively leverage a tool like disk in a selling environment? Well, it, like I mentioned earlier, it's really about modifying our behavior. In order to do that, we really go through four steps with our clients. Uh, first, they become familiar with the model and you just kind of give a quick overview of the different disc styles. What are their preferences? Do they talk a lot, not talk so much? Are they more big picture oriented, more detail oriented, and so on? It's actually very easy to learn. And I suspect, Michael, that when you're working with your clients, they learn the different disc styles fairly quickly. So we want to have that foundation in the first step. Second step, now that we understand those four styles, Typically, our clients get their own report. Now they have the context in which to evaluate their own results. And that's where we, where we begin to create that confidence, self-awareness. Try to learn about our strengths, make sure we don't overuse our strengths because overuse strength can become very significant weakness for us. We look at our blind spots. We get familiar with what those might be. And again, understanding better who we are. Then we, in a third step, learn skills about how to identify the styles of others in the context, context of sales, how to identify the prospect's behavioral style. So we can get to the most important step. How do I now modify my behavior, knowing who I am and having a good idea who the other person is? And when we get there, we are able to essentially speak the same language. You know, we, we are communicating at the same level. It may be, there need to be a lot of small talk. We may need to mention family, or we just maintain it strictly business and keep it very fast paced, big picture, whatever the case may be. And when we speak the same language, we create that bonding and we have that trust. The prospect feels that, hey, this person understands my world. We are moving at the pace that I'm comfortable with. They are at the position when they are not dealing with a typical salesperson who is there just doing the same thing with every prospect. And, and as individuals, we can certainly look back at our own life and be in a situation when salesperson is calling on us. Some salespeople 
they speak the same language. And if you think about an experience like that, that you have had, you realize that everything was so much easier. It was more comfortable. You were able to focus on the business at hand and not focusing on the other person, the salesperson, what we don't like about them or wish they were doing differently. And that creates a environment in which we can really use sandless sales technique, looking at their pain, their personal pain. We are focusing on what works for them and staying away from things that really is going to get in the way of successful sales process. So that's really what it's all about. And, and when we are the prospect, we've been through those bad experiences when the person <laughs> is doing something we don't like. And, and as you as we think about those experiences, it's always a distraction. It's not making it easier to, to buy, essentially. We want to be in a situation where we're comfortable to buy, buy, and we are in a situation where we feel that the salesperson, again, is speaking the same language, and they understand us, and they are listening to us. And, and that makes the uh, context of, uh, of selling much easier. And buying as well. Yeah, I, I would agree 100% on selling and but also buying. So let me back you up one step to step three, where you said the third step is identifying what is the style of the other person. And I know from personal experience from my clients, that's where they struggle the most. And I, I would assume that that's where most people in general tend to struggle the most is figuring out what the style of the other person is. And I know we have the quadrant and we can look at you know, somebody task oriented or people oriented, are they introverted or extroverted? But what is, you know, beyond just looking at the quadrant, what is a way that somebody can identify another person's disc style? Well, there are many things that you can use from body language, from eye contact, uh, for the tonality. Some individuals speak with a louder voice, other styles prefer to use a quieter voice. Uh, even before you have a chance to meet with the prospect, Look at the emails. Are the emails long and detailed or are they short? With you know, Every letter is lowercase letter. What is their voicemail sound like? Different styles lead different kind of voicemail. So you are ultimately looking for consistent patterns of behavior. Uh, the biggest mistake I think people make when they identify the styles of other people is that they jump into conclusion too quickly. They may think, hey, that person is definitely a D style. And they don't reevaluate that judgment. They keep thinking that the prospect is a D style and they approach them consistently as the, if they were a D. It works great if you happen to be right, but if you are wrong, you're actually doing yourself disservice because you are now speaking in a different language. So you look for consistency. And one other thing is that, actually two things. One is that sometimes people assume their style based on their profession. They are an accountant. They're an engineer, for example. They must be a C-style. Well, those two professions do attract C-styles at a higher rate than many other professions, but not all CPAs or not all engineers are C-styles. So we have to be careful using that. And part of the most important thing is that the mistake that people make is that they try to identify who the person is. Actually, it's often easier to begin by looking at who they are not. I don't know yet, Michael, let's say I'm in a situation with you, I'm trying to identify your style. I may be thinking to myself, well, I'm not sure if he's a D or an I, but I'm pretty sure he's not a C style. So I stay away from C behaviors first 
in order to essentially buy myself more time to look at other clues to identify your style more accurately. And finally, I'm gonna say is that that process of identifying somebody's style really should never end. We always gather more information so we can become more accurate and more confident in our identification of the style. And ultimately we are a combination of all four styles where we're really trying to identify what are what is or what are the predominant styles and also what is the style that they're least comfortable with. That is the, actually the most important thing. Stay away from that style because that kind of behavior, that kind of communication, that kind of selling takes the most energy from your prospect. And you don't want to consume your prospect's energy by creating a distraction. So we can focus on selling and having that uh, equal stature conversation about if I can help you, if I can help to resolve, uh, solve your pain. An ongoing game, and I've explained it like that before to, to clients, and it's kind of like a game of poker where you don't have all the information. And as you go through, you're trying to piece together. And, you know, let me just be real open and say that I have made that mistake of thinking that I was certain what somebody's style was, only to find out you know, midway through a 90-minute meeting that I was dead wrong. And there's, a, I can tell you right now, there are a couple specific examples that come to mind where I know for a fact that had I not guessed incorrectly and stuck with that guest, I would have won the deal. And the, the deals I'm thinking of are probably totaling about $300,000. So it's a not a fun or inexpensive lesson learned, but I, I like what you said. And I think that is absolutely a best practice to continue to monitor what, what style a person is or what styles a person might be. And don't feel bad, Michael. We all make those mistakes. And, and I mean, I've been doing this for over 25 years and I still have situations where I make mistakes. I have a lot of experience in it, but some people are more difficult to read. And also when you are, especially when you're calling on a prospect and if they are at their own office, it's good to remember that they are in a safe environment. They're an environment when they know other people in the office and their physical space is uh, safe for them. And when people are in the kind of a safe zone, it's sometimes more difficult to identify their behavioral style. It's always easier to identify somebody's style when they are in an unfamiliar environment because that's when we really revert to our hardwired behavioral style because that is most comfortable to us so everybody makes mistakes and again the big point the main point here is that we just don't want to jump into the conclusion too quickly look for additional information and until that point be a little bit careful and cautious be ready to almost cater to all different styles but fairly quickly you can really identify who they are not and just stay away from that buy some time to identify their behavioral style more accurately and never stop looking for additional information. And by the way, this is like muscle memory that just takes a lot of practice, like a learning a perfect golf swing. It takes a lot of practice, but once you are at practice, it gets easier and easier. And once you practice this skill of identifying other people's styles, eventually it gets to a point where it's like noticing their physical traits you know this person has brown eyes this person has blue eyes this person is probably not a d style they're probably more of an sc style and then you can move forward with more confident approach okay got it and so you're you're saying and we know this from from the learnings that under pressure people tend to 
show the most traits of their dominant style. Yeah, they revert to that style. Like, uh, let me think of an example. Fire alarm goes off in a building. Well, these style, they are immediately revert to their D style. They run out of the building. They're the first ones out the building. Elderly children get out of the way. Mr. D, Miss D is coming through. I styles are gonna be a little, they maybe even laugh a little bit. They are more, you know, they look what other people are doing. C styles may be looking for the evacuation plan because there's a correct way of getting out of the building. S styles, they want to make sure everybody's okay. They want to make, they got S styles there. Uh, it's like a captain of a sinking ship. They are the last one to leave. S styles want to make sure everybody's okay. Now, when the situation kind of, you know, hey, it's a false alarm, then we are more relaxed. And then we have the ability to modify our behavioral style, making conscious decisions how to be different from our natural style based on the situation. And then it becomes a little bit more difficult to identify other people's styles. All right. So it sounds like you're saying, if you have a prospect in at your office and you're not sure their style, pull the fire alarm, see how they react. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure I was hearing you correctly on that. So let, let me ask this next question. And since, and I'm glad you brought it up. You said when people are in their office or maybe even when people are in our office or an uncomfortable environment, but with the world obviously moving to a much more virtual environment where we're spending more time either on Zoom meetings or on phone calls rather than in person. What are some of the other ways or traits or kind of cues or things that people might look for on a Zoom or just by voice tonality when they're on the phone with some, you know a prospect or whoever that might be? Well, a couple of things. One is uh, pay attention to the kind of words they use. For example, uh, D and I styles, they tend to use a lot of I words. I do this. I like that. They are more centered about who they are. Well, S and C styles use a lot of we language. This is how we like to do it here. This is what we prefer. So pay attention to that kind of thing. Also, uh, one easy way to focus on is focus on the questions, the types of questions they ask. Uh, D styles ask a lot of what questions. What's the bottom line here? What's in it for me? I styles ask a lot of who who questions because they are the most people oriented. Who else is doing this? Uh, who else should we get involved in the process? They focus on, on the individuals. S styles, they like to know how because S styles are the doers of the world. They want to understand how we are going to implement this. So they will ask a lot of how questions, how we move forward. If we were to do this, how we are going to implement this? And finally, the C styles, they are the most analytical of the four styles. They want to know why. Why are we doing this? So that's just a couple of quick examples, paying attention to the kind of words they use. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, if it's a Zoom call, eye contact, if you are able to look at the office surroundings a little bit, those can give you some clues, tonality, and then how much they speak. If they speak a lot, they're probably an I style. If they are fairly talkative, they're probably a D style using a lot of I and asking I language and asking a lot of what questions. S and C styles are more reserved and their tonality is lower. Their eye contact is not quite as direct. So those are a couple of things you can use to begin to get more comfortable in identifying other people's style correctly.
Got it. Well, let me sidetrack us for a minute here and ask a question that I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, because for some reason this always comes up and I don't want to get political at all. But Donald Trump, what is his disc style? Uh, you know, it is he's hard to identify, but I would definitely say he's going to be more on the DI style. You know, uh, I see a lot of D tendencies, which is, you know, the results oriented, focusing on achieving certain things. And and really achieving his own goals, he has he seems to be very focused on what he wants to achieve. I see also a lot of eye behavior in it because he likes the attention. He likes to hold events when he's a center of attention. And and somebody who's a high D only, really often they uh, often D styles are mistaken for being extroverted. There are a lot of D styles who are not extroverted. And I see a lot of I behavior in Donald Trump. So I would have to say he's probably a combination of DI or ID. Okay. And I ask that when I, every time I'm going through training, I tell somebody to think of a famous person for each of the styles for D. People inevitably say Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's, he does definitely has some D in him, but he seems like he's, as much as he likes to pretend that he's the tough guy, he seems like, he has some need for approval. He wants to be liked, and he he likes to be the center of attention in the life of the party. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, even before he went into politics, I mean, a lot of the things was about getting attention. He attended a lot of uh, events. He had his TV show, uh, Apprentice, I think it was called. <laughs> that is not a that is not a typical D behavior. That I want to be on a TV because uh, I styles are the ones who really want to get the. Uh, social approval. They want to be accepted and liked by others. All right. I, I'm I'm glad we clarified that. It's, man, that's been on my mind for years and I've just been waiting to ask you about that. So very good. So let's shift over to a hiring perspective for a moment. And I know, you know, these same things are going to be valid for hiring all positions that this is a useful tool. Again, I want to keep it specific to, to sales. When a hiring manager is considering bringing somebody on board and using a tool like a disk assessment, what's some things that they should look at or how can they leverage this to figure out whether or not this would be providing everything else look good? How would they use a disk assessment to decide, hey, this really can validates, confirms what we thought, or maybe this isn't the right person? Well, a couple of things. One, we need to keep in mind that the assessment measures only their behavioral style. There are many other factors we need to consider, education, experience, work track record, et cetera. Uh, but once we keep that in mind, second and probably the most important thing we need to understand is that we need to be able to identify what we believe will create success. You know, What behavioral styles are going to succeed in selling our product or our service to our clients, because some in the sales role, as you know, are very different. Sometimes it's a one call sale. Once other products or services might take 18 months to close, uh, multiple calls, multiple players involved. So we need to really understand first what we think will create success. Uh, our clients, or so ultimately the clients, they often work with a consultant to get help with that, or they look at the existing sales force and identify the top players, and often they assess them and see what kind of behavioral styles they tend to have, because often there is a clear correlation between success and behavioral styles. Once you have that benchmark, then you are able to use it as a part of your hiring decision process. 
if the other pieces fit and look good and their behavioral style fits what you are looking for, then you can be more confident in making that hire. That makes sense. And here's one that comes up all the time that we talk about, that clients ask about promoting sales reps to sales managers. And I'm sure there'll be a few people that disagree with this, but we know from doing this enough that the best sales reps often don't make the best sales managers. Is there a way to leverage something like DISC to help? And again, I know it's not a one factor decision, but is there a way that that can be leveraged in looking at somebody making yeah, it, a transition from sales rep to sales manager? Yes, uh, and you're absolutely correct. It's a different skill set that is needed to be a successful salesperson and being a su- successful manager. Same thing as we just talked about hiring the salespeople. We just need to first understand what creates successful sales managers in our organization. And a lot of times what creates success in selling when it comes to behavioral style and managing others, they are two, two different things. So we shouldn't be surprised that a good salesperson is not going to be a successful sales manager. We understand this very easily in sports, for example. You know, NFL playoffs are going on this weekend. We take somebody who's a great quarterback, and now we want to, in quotation marks, promote them to a running back. We know what the results will be. They are not going to be as successful in that new position because it requires, the different positions require different skill sets and in the context of selling and managing salespeople, different behavioral requirements are in place. So we just need to keep that in mind. I'm not saying that the successful salesperson cannot be also successful sales manager, but most likely they will need some training and they most likely will really need to apply their understanding of the DISC model to be able to modify their management behaviors with their different styles of salespeople. Uh, all of us probably have been working for a boss at some point in our career that was great boss, but we also probably have work, been working for us that was yeah. not so great. And typically the ones who are not successful and not great bosses, they repeat the same behavior, same communication, same motivation style, same leadership style with every single one of the employees. It works great if the behavioral styles happen to match. If they do not, often the results are pretty pretty bad and often we lose employees because the manager is not able to make those adjustments the saying that everybody probably has heard people don't quit their companies or their organizations they quit their managers agreed and i could not agree with you more on that so let's imagine somebody that manager is in that role and they have a team of salespeople. what are and they were smart enough to give disc assessments to the people on their team. How might somebody, how might a manager differentiate managing somebody that's a salesperson that's a D versus managing a salesperson that is an I? Well, these styles, they want in control and they want independence. So they tend to prefer a manager who leaves them alone. Now, Often that is not possible and not even advisable. So when we are coaching a D or managing and coaching and developing a D style employee, we have to really increase our D behavior. D styles respect you if you are able to be as tough as they are. If you seem wimpy, 
they lose respect for you. So you need to be able to be direct. You need to be able to argue if it goes to that point. And you need to be in a situation where they think that hey, you are a decisive person who knows what they want. They know what direction they are going to. And they are there to help you to not only for the organization and the team succeed, but to help the salesperson succeed as well. You want to align the direction of their goal with your goals. I style, we talked about uh, people who like to be liked and being up, feeling uh, uh, socially accepted. So I styles want to be liked. So you have to be a little bit softer in your approach. You have to take time to talk about things. You have to show enthusiasm. You have to show energy. They like those kind of things because they get energy from those behaviors. The, the key thing with iStyle employees is that when you manage them, they get very excited about your ideas and they are excited about the new project. Their biggest challenge is the follow-up. It's not that they don't want to follow up, but tomorrow or next week or next month, they see something more exciting that they can work on or some new interesting direction. And they fo forget about what we decided that we need to do at a consistent uh, basis. What do we need to do consistent in order to be successful? I hope that helps a little bit, Michael. Sure. So shiny object syndrome. So if a manager, a sales manager, or any type of manager is managing somebody that's an I, it would be important to put some guardrails in to make sure that they are staying on track and not getting distracted tomorrow by, and losing track of the things that we talked about today. Exactly. If it's like going to a party and an ice style, they have, you're having a good conversation with an ice style, they see somebody else on the other side of the room, they are likely to leave that conversation and want to say hello to that person as well. And they repeat that until they talk about everybody in the room. They, they want to get everybody involved and they want to be with involved with everybody. So they just lack that consistent follow-up and, and routine becomes boring for them. So you just need to hold their hand a little bit if you need them to repeat same type of sales processes and, and same type of behaviors consistently. And they need a lot of encouragement and also need a lot of uh, recognition. They want to be noted. They, they want to get the recognition of others. So if you have a sales meeting and uh, iStyle has had a great month or a quarter, for example, sales meeting is a great place to recognize them because they want to be recognized. So, all right, well, let's wrap up. And for, for any S's that are out there listening that happen to be managing salespeople and have a, a D on their team, what one piece of advice could you give them for managing that, that dominant direct driver to make sure that they can have the communicate with that person, show them that they are, in your words, not that wimpy person and effectively manage and guide that employee? Uh, with Estas, no matter what the context is, I almost always tell them to use the Nike slogan, just do it and, and do it now. Sometimes Estas and actually often Estas tend to overthink things and they manufacture problems in their own heads sometimes. Just know what your plan is. You Estas like to plan. So have your plan ready and then just execute your plan. It's okay if the person does not agree with everything you're saying. We cannot make everybody like us at all the times. Get comfortable with that. It's okay to provide direction to others. 
Uh, when you tell something and you have a vision that you, you, let's say you want some goals that need to be achieved, you have your vision, just consistently communicate them and accept the fact that not everybody will always like it and not everybody will, will always be on board. When you become comfortable with that and you see the results of that consistent behavior, you will be more successful as manager. They become more comfortable doing it. Making behavioral modification is like everything else. You are creating that muscle memory. When you do something that requires you to get out of your comfort zone, yes, it takes energy, it takes effort. And in the beginning, it's uncomfortable. But once you begin to do it and you see the success that you are able to achieve, it becomes more and more comfortable. And success basically creates comfort in getting out of your comfort zone. So just do it, don't think about it, learn from your mistakes and celebrate your successes. Awesome. Well, let me, Marku, let me see if I can wrap this up. And if I miss anything, then I'll give you a moment to correct me. So DISC, is, DISC talks about the different behavioral styles. We all have a different style. And in order to be successful, we need to understand our style. We need to be able to identify other people and connect with them in a way they want to be connected with. There's no right or wrong. It just talks about the things that give us energy or take energy away from us. It's important to understand the people that we're speaking with. When we're in a group environment, we can't please all the people all the time. We should have a plan. And if you're an S, just do it. And leverage this to understand what helps people become the best version of themselves so you can put them in an environment where they have the highest likelihood of success. You got it, Michael. Oh man, I'm my my eye right now is is appreciating your uh your approval. Thank you so much. Uh, Marku, it's been great to have you on the show. I I had a lot of fun. I love this. For the people out there listening, if they want to get in touch with you or want to find out more about this, an extended disc, where can they go to get information on that? Uh, best place is our website, extenddisc.org. So .org. And you find all the things that are happening with Extended Disc over there and find a way to contact us if you'd like more information. Awesome. Well, Marku, thanks again for being on the show. I had a blast. Hope you did as well. Have a great rest of the day. I had fun. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for listening. I hope you got as much out of this as I did. To find out more about how we work with companies to help them grow sales more profitably and predictably, please check out gordon.sandler.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.